everyone. This is Catherine Adams. And Elizabeth Wallace. And you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 343. And tonight we are recapping two episodes of Laura Olympus. We're going to go over episode 225, which is available right now for free on the Webtoons app. And then we will go into 226, which is only available if you are fast-passing the episodes, which of course we are. Even if we weren't regularly doing that, I think I would have definitely fast-passed this episode after the cliffhanger that 225 ended on. Right. Yes. We needed to have more information. And we did get, I think we got a surprising amount of information in these two Mm. episodes. We got the backstory on Aphrodite and Hephaestus. And basically, Hephaestus made her a heat-sinking cannon that she could fire love arrows to the mortal realm from and won her heart. I mean, that's there's, there's more details there, but that's basically what happened. Yeah, we start episode 225, and it's a news report that is picking up right after the trial when like the courtroom is in chaos and the media is there and they're interviewing people who have all sorts of like wacky things to say and they have Aphrodite on screen and she's like I just I don't know how I'm going to be able to do my job while I lose favor with the mortals and Hephaestus happens to be watching the tv screen and his AI kind of like looks in, um, Etna, her name is, and she looks in, she's like, what's wrong with her face? And he's like, oh, she's sad. And Etna like looks at Aphrodite and then looks at Festus is like, you could help her. I mean, she's so matchmaking. She really is. And I love the drawings of her because she's this kind of translucent hologram and she can change size however she wants to. So there's this one beautiful picture of her giant size looking down at Hephaestus and she's trying to get him out of his shell because he says he doesn't want to involve, be involved with any of this. And she said, how long are you going to do that? You you know, got back up with your mother before. Wasn't that nice? So and it's yeah. just, she yeah. doesn't want him to be lonely and she's definitely matchmaking, but she's got a good heart about it, which I guess would be um, understandable since he made her something like that but I think so yeah yeah yeah. yeah. but um, so and that was you know when he said well what do you expect me to do make her a giant cannon to fire heat seeking arrows from pause yeah, that's exactly what he did. Mm-hmm. So he knocks on her door, and she answers. She's surprised to see him. She saw him briefly at the trial, and he did kind of like, I don't know, he didn't really want to talk to her. And he says later that, you know, he has this thing where he's working on his relationships with people and that he had cut her off in that conversation because of his own baggage. Like any other Rachel Smythe conversation, it's extremely healthy. He tells her the exact truth and says, you know, basically an apology for having been abrupt with her and that he had just sort of wanted to help. And then he kind of like starts to just leave. She's like, whoa, 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 you can't just give me a love cannon and then walk out of here. So she invites him to a barbecue with her family and he's not really sure about it. And she said, I would really like you to be there. And also I'm looking forward to seeing an instruction manual for this thing. And she walks away and Hephaestus is like, instruction manual. So you could tell he's definitely enthusiastic about that. So, And I just, you can see... I mean, Ares and Hephaestus are siblings. They're brothers, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Ares will do shitty things, and when he's called out for them, he says the truth. No lying, yes. no you know, fake apology, anything like that. Whereas Hephaestus does nice things, and when called out for them, says the truth. So yeah. it's kind of fun to watch. It is. A lot of the commenters were pointing out that one of the reasons why Aphrodite must have found Hephaestus attractive is that he was just giving her something. He didn't ask for 
anything returned. In fact, he almost left without getting anything from her at all, which had to have been really attractive. But he also says something like, well, inventing things is my language. And I don't know, have you ever looked at that whole thing about love languages? Mm -hmm. Do you know anything about that? Yeah, Yeah, like my Um, love language is touch, my love language is gifts, and his is inventing things. Yeah. People pointed out one of the love languages, which I've always appreciated, is acts of service. It's where you're trying to help the other person and do things. And, uh, you know, a lot of people pointed out that's exactly what he's doing. And talk is cheap. He doesn't, you know, want to talk about doing things. He just wants to do things. And she's got to appreciate that. But we jump forward really fast in time. And it's when she had left him a note because we thought she was going to go see Aries, but she wasn't. She went to go see Psyche. And she had left a note saying she was going to go get coffee. And he's reading it. And you see her come back in and over his shoulder you see their wedding photo and it's just gorgeous it is really beautiful because it's a whole full body portrait of the two of them and he's bending down to kiss her face and he's got his prosthetics on those lovely you know sci-fi looking curls of metal but they've been painted black to match his tux so it all just it looks really nice and he goes into the kitchen and he says hi to I think, I can't remember which one of Aphrodite's kids it is. I believe, I think, if I remember right, it's Ludos, which I'm sure is another form of love. Right, right. And he's sulky teenager playing on his phone, but, you know, says hi back. And um, uh, Aphrodite and Psyche come in, and she bought, you know, Hephaestus his regular coffee, and they kiss hello. And then um, Psyche asks Hephaestus if she, he can take a look at her phone, because it's acting kind of buggy. And he says, sure. And there was a little bit of a glance between the two of them, and I was kind of wondering what was going on, but we won't find out about that until the next episode. But meanwhile, you see Aphrodite just kind of sneaking up on her son, Ludos, and then going, surprise, mom hug. And Ludos, mom, no. And the (laughs) expressions are great. Just perfect. (laughs) Yeah. And people pointed out that Aphrodite, I mean, she was always kind of unhappy and angry. I don't know angry, very angry before with her relationship with Aries, which Aries does bring that out in people. That's Mm -hmm. just kind of how he is. But now she's like, she's happy. She's thoughtful. She's showing affection to her kids. It's just wonderful. And I'm like, oh, I hope this goes okay. I really do. I do. Because in the original mythology, Hephaestus divorced her or whatever you call it when it's in ancient Greece, when he caught her and Aries having sex. So everyone is worried in the comment section that Hephaestus is going to get hurt. And now I'm also worried that Aphrodite is going to get hurt because I can't imagine what sort of situation would result in her hooking up with Aries again. Yeah. Speaking of which, we jump from there to the car where Hades and uh, Persephone are driving into work, I guess. And Hades is furious because... Aries left a note that said something like, to Hades, thank you for your well-meaning but useless words. Persephone, I am now single and you are not yet married and you owe me a date. <laughs> it's just really <laughs> high-handed. But he also says, you know, when we first met, you healed me. And I know you are probably aware that you're a fertility goddess now, but I don't think you know what that means. And if you want to know more, you have to meet me at blah, blah, blah. And she's not really sure what to do. And Hades says, okay, one, you should not hold that information back from you. Two, I think it would be worth looking into. It might be some good information. And also, I've seen you before. I know you can handle Aries. Right. And there was, I mean, when 
when Persephone read aloud that bit where Aries says, I'm single and you're not yet married, and there was a pause, and you see Hades open his mouth, and Persephone says, do not propose to me just to get me out of this. <laughs> like they, right. know, they know what each other is thinking. It's so cool. Mm, yep, yep. But she's wondering if she should go and see him because they're really kind of busy right now. I mean, this whole Kronos thing and, uh, you know, him demanding to see his golden traitor and everything. And Persephone's like, I don't know. Do we tell Hera? What do we do about that? And Hades is like, well, I guess we're going to find out because Hera's here. And do we see an image of Hera in this beautiful brown coat with like designs on it? And that's the end of the episode. And that's the end of the episode. So, yes, I would definitely have fast-passed after that because I wanted to see how that conversation would go, which we jump into it, and Hera is just sitting there, and she says, I'm sorry, I must have misheard you because I thought you said that Kronos is demanding to see me, which can't be the case because we all know that he's perfectly safely locked away and there's no problems. So I think a tiny bit of denial there, but, you know, Hades does say that that is what I said, and I think Hera she says she's going to go talk to him. And both Persephone and Hades are like, no, 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 no. That's a bad idea because they don't have any plans at this point. They don't have a plan of action, anything to deal with. I mean, Hera is worried that there's another god that they don't know the identity of who's trapped there with Kronos and she wants to get whoever it is out. But Hades manages to talk her around. He calls her Bunny at one point, which was his pet name for her. And I think Persephone looks a little worried about that, but she's always been... It's not that she's worried that she's going to get cheated on. She just doesn't think that she can compare to Hera. And, like, why would anyone prefer her to someone like the Queen of Heaven? Right. Exactly. So Hera allows herself to be convinced she's not going to go confront Kronos. But she's like, fine, we'll talk about the coronation. And Persephone is like what? I mean, can I just sign some paperwork or whatever rather than have this big deal? And it's like, sure, and I'll wear sackcloth and we can eat dinner on paper plates over the sink. I mean, obviously, Hera is like, no, you are not going to just sign some paperwork to be the queen of the underworld. There is going to be a thing. Yes, and meanwhile, there's a nymph who's obviously some admin assistant who's bringing in binders of details for the plans that Hera has for the ceremony. And by the time she leaves, I mean, it's like a stack of binders about as tall as Hades is. So she got plans. Yeah. And Hera does point out there is a chance that Persephone's mother might think better about her getting married to Hades if she sees a lavish coronation. And I don't know. She's like, do you want me to talk to your mother? I'm really persuasive. And Persephone's like, no, 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 no. I can talk to my mother. I'm going to have to go and visit her soon anyway. And I will do some of my spring duties. And then I will come back. And all the commenters are like, oh, shit. Is this is where Demeter's going to actually keep her from going back to the underworld? It could be. I mean, I'd, and we don't know what the mortal realm looks like. Is Demeter actually keeping up on any of her duties right now? Or is she furious, as in the original myth, that her daughter has been, quote, kidnapped from her. But so I I think we're going to be seeing more of that. But Hera agrees that she will let them move at their own pace. And she says, I don't see, you know, you're you're doing this very modern wooing thing right now. And I see a lack of jewelry and engagement jewelry on your hand. And there's there's a (laughs) shot of like from looking from behind Hades and both Persephone and Hera are looking at him. And Hera just has this perfect expression of like she's just so disgusting that Hades is not on this yet. Yeah, and uh, a lot of the commenters are talking about that, too. They're like, yeah, you tell him, Queen. He needs to handle that. But (laughs) Hades says that, oh, you know, he's got something planned. It's going to be really special. And interior thoughts are, 
oh my God, he has no idea how to propose to Persephone because in his mind, it's got to be something special and he just doesn't know how to do it. And I'm sure whatever he ends up doing is just going to be freaking adorable. But for right now, he's panicking. Yeah, he's panicking. So Hera finally decides to just go back home. And as she's sitting in the car, you hear or you see the words as Kronos is speaking them. And he says, interesting. Why didn't you tell them that you can hear me this entire time? So Kronos, you know, they wanted to know if Kronos had gotten in touch with her when she was in hibernation when everyone was asleep. But he's been apparently talking to her this entire time. And I don't I don't know why she's keeping that quiet. But and I'm I'm very curious to see what home looks like. Has she gone back to Zeus or is she still living by herself because she's mad at how badly Zeus messed up this time? Yeah. Now that would have been a heck of a cliffhanger to leave things on, but we actually did go back to Hephaestus and Psyche, and we found out exactly what that look was between the two of them. Psyche and Hephaestus have been spying on Apollo, and Psyche even says something like, I don't know, it's been a long time, maybe he thinks everybody's forgotten about his past actions. And I'm like, well, we haven't. No, we haven't. Is anyone else even talking about them now? But yeah, so she got a a thumb drive from Apollo, and she said, he might have dropped it, and I might have picked it up for him. And then she absconded with it. But, you know, she says he's been getting really sloppy. And then Hephaestus says, I haven't been able to see his online presence since our last confrontation because he's doing a lot of new passwords and VPN and fake names and everything. So I'm wondering if this thumb drive was deliberately dropped for Psyche to find. I wondered that right from the very get-go. I'm just like, Apollo is an awful person. Um, certainly doesn't understand, you know, how to be nice to people, but I don't think he's an idiot. No, no. So, um, so Hephaestus manages to crack into the thumb drive and they see a picture that's labeled Cassandra and neither of them know what that is. And it's a mortal, but she's got glowing purple eyes like Apollo. Now in the original myth, Apollo gave Cassandra the power to see the future, But I've seen some conflicting stories about how the myth is told. Some of them say that she rejected him and she didn't want to be his lover. And that was when he cursed her um, to... So he couldn't take the gift away, but he could curse her so that no one would ever believe her. Now, other stories I've seen was that she did agree to be his lover, but then she also decided it was fine if she had her own other lovers on the side. And that was... There's um, um, like the origin story of it's either the crow or the raven that used to be a servant of Apollo and used to have pure white feathers. But when the bird saw that she was cheating on Apollo, it brought the news to Apollo and Apollo cursed it with black feathers because he was so mad right. and killed the messenger and all that. So I sure. don't know. We have some options, but it seems like someone pointed out that... Um, Thetis has given birth to Achilles, who was the hero of the Battle of Troy. And now we've got Cassandra, who tried to warn everybody that Troy would be destroyed in the war and no one believed her. So things seems to be converging on actual mortal um, history now. Yeah, and... I remember in one of the very earliest episodes, I think it was I think it was Ulysses or was it Odysseus was actually at the party. And I think Poseidon or Zeus, one of them just yelled at him. He was like, what is he doing here anyway? So I that 
it's kind of hard to tell how time works in the mortal realm. So I don't know if maybe he just hated Odysseus from the very earliest time, or there's been some time travel shenanigans, or maybe that had nothing to do with anything. Maybe I'm totally misremembering that. I don't know, but yeah. Yeah, I don't know how... Because uh, I've got the book that you gave me for Christmas, the Lore Olympus uh, book hey. one, so pretty. And I'm yes. rereading the section where Eros rescued Psyche and brought her out of the mortal realm because she was trapped in a, in a, a arranged marriage. But I don't know. I don't know if she was, if he like got an apartment in Olympus and was keeping Psyche there. But in that case, it didn't seem like time was moving differently because I don't think when when her sisters came to visit her, there wasn't any, oh, it's been 80 years since we last saw you. No, it's just been a few months, I think. Yeah, yeah. And I think Persephone's time on the mortal realm was like 10 years by Olympus time and mortal time, I think. Right, yeah. Who knows? knows? But anyway, that's where we left it with the picture of Cassandra. So... Uh, everybody agrees that, you know, things are not going to go very well for Cassandra. So everybody's already feeling bad for her. Of course. Yeah. But but we have had the first mention of everybody still, you know, knowing that Apollo has done bad things, but we still don't know if he's had a chance to talk to Artemis since she came back from the mortal realm and what exactly she thought about all of this because... I think she was already starting to suspect him about what he might have done to Persephone uh, when she made the decision to go to the mortal realm in the first place. Yes, yes, she definitely had. It was nice to see somebody say something about just they're keeping an eye on Apollo. I'm like, finally! (laughs) Anyway, so that's all for Laura Olympus. It's going to be a short episode this week. This is sort of a halfway travel edition. We're not going to say when this was recorded. I am, as the time that we're recording this, I am not at home. But, you know, maybe by the time you're listening to this, I am home. Or maybe I'm not. And I have a... Pitbull guarding the door. (laughs) We're really assuming that there's a whole bunch of people poised to break into the house as soon as they know we're not there. Yeah, you just, you just, you can't be too careful. But anyway, um, yeah, so hopefully everybody had a good Christmas and a good New Year's. I certainly did. We didn't do anything at all. We stayed at home and uh, I had some champagne and that was pretty much it. Yep, yep. We went over to Hannah's place and watched a football game where Georgia was playing and won it at the very last second. That was exciting. And then changed over to where the ball dropped. And we heard a funny story. Apparently there's a bar, somebody tweeted, it was um, Ohio fans. They of course lost the game at the very last second, but it was pretty much like the end of the game was right at midnight. And apparently like the second they lost. That was midnight, and balloons dropped from the ceiling. Oh, and they no. were just like, they said, there's people angrily stomping on balloons all over this place. Right now. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, God. Oh, dear. Sorry about that. But um, yeah, so other than that, it was fairly chill. Um, yeah, so next week we might actually get a chance to have multiple people on this podcast all in the same room. I know. There's so many things we need to catch up on the Nerdosphere. Maybe we can actually do a discussion of one of those things then, but we're not going to give anything away. No, because, if God, we're specific, but anyway. So before we go, we did want to mention, uh, we just found out literally this morning, Jeremy Renner had a freak accident um, with a snowplow, and I believe it's he's got 
blunt force trauma to the chest and uh, severe blood loss from his leg. It did run him over. A doctor was able to apply a tourniquet to stop the blood. He was airlifted to a hospital where at time of this recording, he is in critical but stable condition. So I hope he's he's okay. I mean, he's definitely a a guy. He's always, you know, he's always out in the woods and doing stuff. He's very much an active person. So I'm hoping he has a quick recovery because I'm sure he's not going to be happy with any kind of bed rest. Um, So we we wish him well. Yeah. A lot of people pointed out the uh, the person who put a tourniquet on his leg is actually a doctor. So he knew what he was doing, which is even better because tourniquets be tricky. I mean, you have to be really careful about that. But someone just responded to that news article and said, imagine that saving an Avenger. Like, yes, he did. He needs to put that on his resume for crying out loud. Oh, man. Oh, God. And of course, there are all the people who are using this opportunity to make jokes about Jerry Rumenner, which obviously is a shitty thing to do. So and make a lot of like speculation about him being like, I don't, and you know what? I'm not even going to add to the speculation. We'll just leave it there. Yeah. So, yeah. No, well, actually, no. If you want to add to the speculation, I have heard those stories as well. And it, it was from when he like split up with his ex-wife, but people have pointed out, I mean, he's like... He's a very active person. He's obviously well-loved in Hollywood because despite the fact people love to bag on the guy, he still gets work consistently. And he's got sole custody of his kid, which is hard to do if you have a bad drug habit. Right. I'm going to assume he's fine. I don't know the man, but I'm going to assume that he's fine. But anyway, it is kind of shitty to just bag on somebody when they're in the hospital, too. So maybe less of that. Yes, yes. Wait until he's up and can, like, actually confront people about that. How about Yes. That would be great. But I guess that is going to wrap us up for the week. So make sure to check out pixelatedgeek.com for all the book reviews, the movie reviews, the comic book reviews, the photo galleries. Wow. Um, it's interesting. You know, we were got through convention season, and now I don't know what is the first thing we're going to be able to go out and get pictures of. There is something that comes to San Diego called the Curiosities and Oddities Expo, and Stephanie has gotten pictures of that several years in a row, and my friend Natasha just noticed that it exists. So I've never been to it. I think I would like to go and see that and get pictures. Well, I think um, it's either Durham Bull City Comic Con or Raleigh Oak City Comic Con. One of those is the first, and I think that possibly comes around in the spring. And I finally have started gluing together the foam legs for the Emoji Bot uh, costume, and I've got yes. you know the the helmets almost completely done. I just. I have to focus on that because Nathan got me a mandolin kit for Christmas this year, and I've already started working on that. And I've already gone to the Guitar World in Raleigh and bought myself a book on beginning mandolin because I'm making an instrument I don't know how to play for crying out loud. So that that could be yeah. a, a mild distraction. Yeah, but we usually have like three or four projects going on at the same time anyway. Or so. eight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all that and more, pixelatedgeek.com. So, um, like I said, next week we will either be recording something with several people in the same room, or maybe we'll just do a regular recording and talk about Night Vale because we're specific. (laughs) But one way or another, we will talk to everybody in one week. Talk to y'all later. (laughs) 